When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know, guys, I got one of my favorite, you know, I always say I got one of my favorite guys or favorite dudes or women. This is one of my favorites right here. And, and Derek Soldier, because, let me tell you why, former Celtic, let me tell you why he was one of my favorites, because he was just like me. The big girls love that. Chicks love the last shot opportunity. Somebody give me a napkin so I can wipe my mouth. Ah. He was arrogant. He was cocky. He came in knowing it all. And he was a bitch around that hole. How you doing, young man? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing just fine, man. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've been doing and, you know, your weight loss. First of all, are you how much are you down weight-wise? I I'm mean, down, I'm like down to 260 person. right now. I'm down to 260. Uh, and I'm just, you know, honestly, just being a dad, man. Just learning how to be an athlete and a dad at the same time. And just waiting for a shot, waiting for a phone call to, to play some basketball here soon. Man, that that's that's incredible when you think about it in that way of who you are, what you've been doing over the years. And, you know, just the, what changed about you? As you said, it's your, your family life. I understand that. But what changed and clicked into your mind when you left the league? You know, first of all, tell me about this game you had over in China. I heard about this, what was it, 54 and 35? Uh, <laughs> something I'm like, I, I was like, damn, you, you are tossing, bro. What, tell me about that game. That that game that game was pretty crazy just because like uh you know over there in China they always there's always rivalry. So we was playing against a rival team and um the owner of the team came in and was like, We really need to win this game. And when they say that overseas and you lose, you can possibly get cut. There ain't no guaranteed contracts over <laughs> So obviously I went out there and did everything I could. I had forty four, thirty three and eight assists with five blocks and four steals or something like that. So, obviously, I was just playing off of pure scare. Um, <laughs> I just didn't want to get cut. I just didn't want to get cut, and, and that, that's where that game came from. Tell me a little bit about China. I mean, because I, I know absolutely nothing. You, you know, country boy, you coming from Ohio. Now, all of a sudden, you're in China. How was that? Uh, it was different. It was different just because you see the culture um, of, of the people. Um, they just constantly, constantly went um, the Chinese way. They, it wasn't really Americanized over there in certain areas. So um, what we call, what they call us are Westerns. We're Westerns. So 
um, it was just different, man. You know, the language barrier, you got to teach through pointing and seeing and, and you got to learn, try to learn their language. Um, just because when you're out there on the court, you know, there's some, there's adjustments that you want to make as a player, but you really can't speak to them because there's the language barrier with, with most of them. And so you just kind of learn how to, that's, I think that's where I learned how to be a coach because I had to, I had to figure out, uh, attitudes, personalities, um, how to communicate with people. And I think that's really, really where I, I took my IQ to another level. I heard the guy was telling me, and there was somebody who had gone to China to play. And they said the biggest adjustment they had, and I think it might have been Lester Connor. He was over there coaching. He said one of the biggest adjustments was trying to call room service and tell him what he wanted. He said he, he's like a burger. And, you know, they, they wouldn't – it would come back always as something else. That, that's how it is. That's honestly how it is because uh, what they think is a burger is not a burger to us. Uh, what we think is pizza is not pizza to them. Um, it, it's just vice versa. And everything that, that we think that's normal to us is not normal to them. And so um, I think, you know, going out to China, um, it taught me how to get out of my comfort zone. Wow. Tell us about the – tell me about the living God over there, Stephon Marbury. Oh, man. Because that is just – it's, it's like not even close. It's not even close. He's 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 the god out there, man. Um, you play against Steph, all of a sudden your your whole your whole bowl is sold out. You know, you play against another team that's not that good. You barely have fans in there. So everybody knew when Steph was coming into town. Everybody wanted a picture with Steph. Um, you know, Steph was Steph was the one that started like the whole culture of you know guys that's you know NBA guys going to China and playing in China. He kind of started that. So he's like the – he's the ambassador almost of China basketball. I heard one of the things that he did over there, he started his own shoe. And it was a, a cheap shoe, which was a knockoff of a knockoff. And he said, I got 3 billion people. If I just sell to, you know, 10%, then I'm going to make big money. Is is that something that he did? That's that's definitely something he did. You know, you go you go out there and you 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 see the the hoop courts, the um, you know, you see he has credit cards out there, he has headphones out there. Um, you see all the starberry the star um on, on a lot of logo on I mean the logo on a lot of stuff. So um Steph really has done um major business moves over there. It's more than basketball for him over there. It's it's all about business. And I think he took his business mind and and put it in China with uh with the name. And I think that's what sells most of his stuff. So yes, you see the Starberry uh logo everywhere. Well, okay, tell me a little bit about how you see the NBA now, where it is in your mind from when you played because I saw it change, and then you saw it, and now it's changed again. How do you see it changing? I think it's going back big. I think it's going back big just because of uh, – I always say the NBA is like a copycat league. You know, whoever wins the championship, they're going to follow that that way. Um, the last championship that was won um, by two bigs was San Antonio. And then all of a sudden, here comes the Warriors um, with, their, with their run, and they never played a, a traditional big. And then now you got um, – after that – you had the the Raptors win, and they they kind of changed it a little bit just because of you know they played big, but they didn't play big. They still had pieces to play small, and then you turn around, you see the Lakers of what they what they are today, and AD only plays the four. So now you're going back to two traditional bigs, and and that's the team to beat. And um, I just think that you know 
I won't say traditional bigs. I would just say hybrid bigs to the point where, you know, Anthony Davis is seven foot and then you got a guy like Marcus Sauce. That's two bigs. And you got to be able to, you got to be able to have that in the lineup. And I think that um, the game is just constantly going to change about whoever dominates the league. Whoever dominates the league is that's that's going to be the culture change of the NBA. And I just think right now the two big lineups, um, as you can see, are are starting to pop out more. Take you back to your days with the Celtics. Things you remember, things were really good. Things that you look back and say, "I wish I could have changed this." Uh, there's a lot of things I wish I can change, <laughs> just because I'm on the outside looking in. Um, so there's, there's, that's a lot of self. Um, um, self-isolation, self-looking in the mirror and knowing that, you know, there was things that I could have done that could have changed um, not only uh, me, but my family's lifestyle, honestly. Um, and, you know, I found that out at 28 years old today, as everybody keeps asking me if I'm sick because I'm so skinny uh, due to the pandemic, you know, and, and, it's just I would the best thing about being a Celtic is being a Celtic, if that makes any sense. There's there's nothing better than being a Celtic, um, just because all the people that stepped in front of you, yourself, Larry Bird, Bill Russell, um, Bob Cousy, KG, Paul Pierce, like there's so many Kevin McHale, there's so many great Celtics that kind of fell under that under the uh, f- fall under that umbrella to the point where you know you have a standard about yourself that you got to hold and it's an unfair standard, but it's the Celtic standard. One of those things I I look back on and I I constantly, I've told this story probably maybe 12, 13, 14 times on my podcast. I said, Eric Solinger used to just talk shit to me all the time. And you ain't do this. You ain't do that. (laughs) And I remember one time you were so, you told me, I'm going to talk about you so bad, you're going to want to fight me. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to fight you. But the story that went on was the summer that you left and you came back and you saw me the first day of practice and you're going, I got a newfound respect for you. I'm like, why? He said, I talked to Moses Malone. And uh, I asked him, what about cornbread? Motherfucker, motherfucker. (laughs) I, I tell that story. And can you tell me a little bit about that story and why you were on my ass like that? I love I, it. I think because you started it. You was on my ass first, I think. And and so ever since then, I just it, it was like that love-hate relationship that we always had. And um, so, you know, as we was going around in the NBA, you seen all the former players. And, you know, we always talk about Lonnie Shelton. That, I mean, that was like our go-to conversation line show. So, like, we go around every NBA team, and we ask all the former players, what about Lonnie Shell? So, for the first time, when I seen Moses for the first time, I decided to ask about you. <laughs> and instead of Lonnie Shelton, and he, he told me, he said, Cornbread was a motherfucker. <laughs> and, I was, and I was like, what do you mean? He was like, he was the guy that you just did not mess with. Because if you if you hit the switch, you was in trouble, and and that's when I found a new found respect for you because I was just like, if Moses Malone is saying that, then I'm pretty sure that a lot of more people will say that as well. So I didn't need to go searching for cornbread anymore. I knew who cornbread was. <laughs> that was that was one of those stories. Everybody kind of 
He said, what? I said, yeah, he was talking about Moses and, and Moses said this. And, and the way you said it, it was like you were mumbling. I was like, man, I said, but that was my guy. What, what did you learn from Moses when you played him? Because you had him in a camp and you had John Lucas also during the summer camp. What did you learn from those guys? John, I think the biggest thing with John, he's so old school to the point where he was just like, I'm at home. Um, you know, my dad's an old school coach. You know how he is. Um, everything got to be done this way. There's no variations to the work. And I think that's what John Lucas really um, introduced me. Like going back into that old school grind where, you know, the only thing you can focus on is basketball. And I think that's what John did. And then Moses always used to tell me, just rebound. That's what he did. Just rebound. Just rebound. And and he said that will get you on the floor. And sure enough, um, I think that year I came back, um, I was out the lineup, and we wasn't rebounding well. And one thing I can do and I can always do is rebound. So that's what got me back into the lineup. And, um, you know, we I miss Moses all the time. Um you know, it's just, it was tragic how he passed, but the little bits and pieces that he gave me was was very powerful. The 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 thing I really liked about your game was the nasty nature about you, and what I mean about that is, uh, soldier, you have no friends, and that is one of the things I like. I see guys now. Oh, yo, that's my boy. I remember your father saying, he said there was a play that you guys had when you were, he was coaching you and somebody would do something and he would nod at you and you would nod at him. And that meant somebody's going to get elbowed in the mouth. <laughs> and I said, this dude was just, the, the nasty nature of your game to me was what drew me to you because you didn't have friends. Mm-mm. Not when you're inside the lines, you're not friends. I, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, we was playing against um, the Warriors when we broke their win streak at home. And me and Draymond get to talking. And me and Draymond is like the best of friends. And so we get to talking. And we're going back and forth. And Tony Brothers steps in and is like, hey, do I need to tee you up? And we immediately both did the same thing. No, that's my friend. Like, and then we after as soon as Tony left, we went right back to chirping again. And um, I just think that that's that's just that's just the nature of basketball. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to try to intentionally hurt you, but if you're trying to take what's mine, then I have to put some force behind that. I'm going to give you some names and give me a quick burst, just something. KG. Crazy. <laughs> Paul Pierce. Crazy. <laughs> Rondo. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, okay. Okay, okay, give me a little bit about the craziness because Crazy. I, I love KG, what he brought to the table. But as you said, he did have that, that you know, one flew over the cuckoo's nest look on his face. When I say, when, every time I talk about crazy, everybody thinks like, oh, he did this, he did that. When I say crazy, I mean like his routine, crazy. His, his basketball mind, crazy. The way he competed, crazy. Like I never seen Paul Pierce miss a shot um, in practice that he he was he was supposed to make. You know, like that to me, that's crazy. KG, I, I've told this story on another podcast where KG, I, I was supposed to get KG out of practice. Doc tells me to go get him. KG is like, nah, bro, get out of here. 
So I'm like, all right, whatever. You know, you respect your vets, so you run back to the sideline. And, Doc, you know, sometimes when you have a veteran team, they kind of coach themselves. So Doc got his head down, and he ain't really paying attention to what's going on five and five. And next you know, he pops his head up and he goes, didn't I tell you to go get KG? I'm like, yeah, he didn't want to come out. So he interrupted practice, gets KG out of practice. KG starts yelling at Doc, like, you got me fucked up. You got me fucked up. No, you're not going to kick me out of practice for no damn rookie. You got me fucked up. So, you know, he's going, he's going crazy. So as Doc gets his himself out of the out of the practice, and he talks his shit, get your old ass out of practice, da, 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 da. and KG's on the sideline. You remember the old practice facility? Yeah. He had the little strip on the side. He was on the sideline mimicking everything I did because I was the one that subbed him out. So instead of him, instead of him getting his rest, he still was running. And I mean that, and when I say that, when I say crazy, that's that's the type of crazy I mean, and that's the reason why he was so good for so long and so respected and, and so feared because he was so competitive that it was crazy. It was crazy, and you you think about all the great basketball players that that ever braced or or ever embraced basketball, they're crazy. All the great, like you know, you talk about Michael Jordan, crazy. LeBron James, crazy. Like the greats are crazy at some point in their life when it comes to basketball. This episode of the Cedric Maxwell Podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing now. Now, BetOnline.ag isn't just about sports. If you don't want to bet on sports, BetOnline has other options, such as award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. Now, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Head over to BetOnline.ag. Don't sit on the sideline lines anymore get in on the action now don't forget to use that promo code clns50 to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit betonline.ag head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit betonline.ag your online sportsbook experts put me in the mind of rajon ronda if you can, I can't. I can't. It's too. It's too. It's too. It's too much. It's too much because the dude is so smart. He is so smart. Sometimes he tricks himself. Yeah, yeah. I always said about Rondo, the how about I put that the dumbest smart person that I know because he knew so much that as you said he would get in his own damn way because he wanted to prove a damn point. I won't say prove a point, but I will say like he 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 was so smart to the point where I never forget this. We was in the game, my rookie year, and he took the clipboard from Doc. And this is why I was like, whoa! I was having an NBA moment. I mean, I'm like, what the, the hell going on? You know what I'm saying? So of course Rondo has it. You go here. You go here. You go here. We're gonna come down here. So Doc, instead of Doc. Interrupting him, Doc was like, "All right, we just gonna run whatever Rondo said," and it worked. And I, that's why I looked. I looked at Rondo. I was just like, "You're a, like he's a genius. Like he's a genius." Does 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 his genius as a basketball player does that translate to him being a coach? 
or is he or is he just too much as a, a genius? I don't think I don't think he has I don't think he has the patience for people that don't understand basketball. I, that that was one thing about him. If you didn't understand basketball, he couldn't he couldn't talk to you. You have you have to be on some type of intelligent level of basketball for him to like not talk to you, but like for him to embrace you more. You know what I'm saying? Like there, if he can't if he couldn't break down X's and O's with you, um, you know he'll get frustrated. So he's one of those guys. Like he couldn't he couldn't coach high school. He definitely couldn't coach college. But I can see him coaching pro, just because those guys are are somewhat smart enough to understand what he he has going on. Your relationship with uh, Danny Ainge was really a good one. Uh, you know, Danny loved you as a player, drafting you. Tell us a little bit about that relationship and 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 you know what it meant to you. It meant everything, man. Just because they gave me my shot at the NBA, uh, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, a lot of people have regrets, you know, or they have hatred towards a team that let them go. I don't. They gave me a chance. They gave me a chance. They gave me a chance to play at the highest level, and that's some that's a bond that I would never be willing to burn um, between me and Danny, um, just because he gave me a shot. And you know, things could have gone better. Um, on my side, Danny did everything he had to do, and it could have done better on my side um, as a basketball player. Um, but, you know, you, it takes years to grow sometimes, and, and now that I'm 28 years old, I get it now. I get it. But now I'm on the outside looking in instead of on the inside looking out. And now it's, it's hard to get there. Yeah. Your dad says something uh, about you to me and we were talking he sent me a tape of you and I was like damn that dude looked good he said he's grown up he's grew up he grew up as a man he grew up as a father he talks about your twin twins saying them that little boy looks just like you and the little girl looks just like your wife and it's like he said that helped him tremendously as a person to learn what he needed to do to help his family and that seems like that's the driving influence right now. That is, you know, when you got you, you got two kids that constantly eat, and you you're spending ninety dollars every two days at a grocery store just so they can eat. Um, you start looking at yourself in the mirror. You start looking at yourself in the mirror and asking yourself if you're doing this right. And I think when they was born, um, I think that's when it clicked. When I realized that I need to be the best me, not for basketball, but for my family. And I think I, when, I, when I put my family in front of basketball, I think everything kind of clicked for me because basketball is secondary. That's just – it's just something I do. But at the end of the day, my full-time job is to be a dad and, and to make sure that my kids have whatever they need, um, you know, going through their life. I'm going I'm to delve in your mind in one second. Hold on. Alexa, turn the alarm off. <laughs> that alarm was bothering this shit out of me. <laughs> You're really going off. All right, I'm, I'm going to delve in your mind a little bit, man. Give me your Mount Rushmore of sports because you're a younger guy. So you got four people, girls, got whatever. Doesn't have to be all about basketball. But in your mind, you're Mount Rushmore of sports. Wow. Uh, of sports. Of sports. Wow. Oh, wow. Um. We're building a place in your backyard, and we got these four statues, and you're showing us 
who those four people are going to be? My for sure three are Michael, Jordan, LeBron James, and Tom Brady. Okay. My fourth? There's always the fourth one that is the hard one. Everybody's like, ah, My fourth, and, and, and people are going to call me crazy, um, but if you look at the facts, I'm not crazy, is Brianna Stewart. Wow. Brianna Stewart has um, – has done some things uh, we haven't seen in a long, long time. Um, winning um, multiple championships in college, winning multiple championships in high school, winning multiple championships at the pro level, coming back from Achilles, torn Achilles to win the championship. Um, we won't, we won't, we won't quite see a, a, a Brianna Stewart um, in basketball probably ever again, just because, I mean, I think she was a four-time national player of the year. Yeah. I think she won four national championships or something like that. I don't know. I mean, just, you can't, that, that, that right there, you can't take away from her goatness. Man, those, those are the things that that I love about that question. And, and I asked that question to a couple of people. Mine uh, were a little bit different than yours. I had uh, Muhammad Ali. I had uh, Michael Jordan. I had Tiger Woods, and I went with what I think was the greatest female of, of ever athletes, uh, Serena Williams, because she's just she was just such a a beast when you think about you know some of the things she kind of brought to the table. Your 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 line to the NBA if if people right now are hearing you talk about yourself and coming back wanting to come back to the NBA, what are you telling people right now about you? I rebound. (laughs) I rebound. I rebound. I changed. Uh, Mentally, I changed. Physically, I changed. Uh, I actually look apart. I think that's the biggest thing is just looking apart with um, the NBA. You know, when I was with the Celtics, I didn't look apart. I played well, but I didn't look apart. And I think that's what that's what people are are starting to look for. Um, But I I just need a shot. I just want a shot. If I get a shot, I promise I promise I won't. I won't let it let you down. Um, it's just it's just so hard just because it's a COVID year and it's totally understandable. Um, a lot of a lot of pieces that you can't add because you got to do this quarantine for this long and you got to do this many testing. So I get I get why everybody's so slow with pulling the trigger and 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 just moving the way they've been moving. But I just need I just want one shot. I just want one shot, and, and if I just get one shot, I'm, I'm going to seize the moment. Your, your analysis or how you felt when you heard the news about Kobe Bryant passing, where were you? I was at home um, with my kids, and uh, I just remember I read a tweet, and it didn't have a blue check, so I, didn't re- I was like, yeah, whatever. You know, it's like, it's Kobe. Like, whatever. A, a, a god doesn't die, right? Yeah, it was legends never die. So I'm just like, you know, if he got, if he was in a helicopter accident, he he probably jumped out. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just, you know, I was so oblivious to, you know, him being a human, just because he's been so unhuman uh, for so many years. And um, I just remember I was at I was at home and. I've seen that tweet, and then next thing you know, here come TMZ with a tweet. So you kind of got you kind of got to listen to it, and then next thing you know, 
multiple other players start tweeting and it just it, it just hit it hit like a ton of bricks just because you see um a guy you grew up watching I got to play against him. Yeah. Um, you know, he was like a hero. You know, the reason why we did – some of the people that do fadeaways today is not because of Mike. It's because of Kobe. And uh, and even though Mike's the originator, you know, Kobe's the master. So <laughs> that's what everybody thinks, you know. And, um, you know, we miss him. Everybody misses him. It's just it was a tough blow on, on the basketball community because of everything he was going to do for women's basketball. Women's basketball was about to blow up bigger than ever um, with Kobe because he was, he was just pouring his blood, sweat, and tears into it. And uh, he was looking for a, a bigger and better generation. And, yeah, one of the things I, that and you, you, know, you bring that together, because you – and it was just like me, because you were – because you're a father and his daughter died with him and even – hit me more so thinking about, yeah, Kobe passed, but just his daughter, because as a father, all you're trying to do is protect your child. So that's how it resonated even more so to me. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, all those people that was on that plane, uh, it just hurts. It hurts just because um, it was preventable. I think that's, that was the, that's the biggest thing that, that if it's something that we could not prevent, if it was just like something that came down in the air and something like that's 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 something that you can find answers with. But when when it's something that's preventable, uh, you really don't have no answers. You can't find no answers to really um, solve that question. Well, dude, you are off the clock now, man. And, and you know, thank you for coming on with me again. You. Still one of my faves of, of all time. You know, you know what you and I be saying right now. But yeah, all right, no. we, won't, we won't let the N words go right now. But <laughs> you know, you're still my boy. And uh, you know, thank you for being on with me. And uh, if there's anything that uh, you know I pray for right now is you get another shot and another opportunity because I think you deserve it. I think this league now is diluted with some of the players, and your skill set fits perfectly with some of the things that teams need in this league now appreciate it i'm just i'm just i'm gonna keep working i'm gonna keep working whether it's not this year i'm definitely gonna be here still working next year all right my brother we'll holler at you we'll talk to you later thanks i appreciate you all right later